it always comes back to encouraging each other in our faith and in our trust in God. It was their faith in God that made them friends in the first place they saw the friendship of God in each other. Now maybe you've been in the wilderness we've been talking about before. Maybe you understand exactly what it's like to run from stronghold to stronghold in your life and not be able to find anything secure. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you'll be there soon. In that moment, what do you need most? You need a friend. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. Today, we have in front of us a text that means a lot to me. It's a text that I've spent a lot of time with, even in my young time as a pastor. And it's actually the text that I, I based my senior year thesis writing off of. This is a text that, that means a lot to me and I base a lot of the work that I do as a pastor off of what is modeled in this text. This is Christian friendship. This is true biblical friendship. And there is so much to say about this. I could preach to you, and I could preach to you 36 pages about Christian friendship, but I won't do that, I promise. Instead, I'll, I'll start here. This is something that was a little bit eye-opening for me as I researched this topic of, of friendship in the world. It was eye-opening to me to find that, that social science is doing a really good job of just now catching up to the Bible. You know, just now, social scientists are starting to empirically prove the, path, prove the fact that, surprise, surprise, people need each other. And surprise, surprise, people need more than their family members and their co-workers. Empirically, it is now starting to be proven that people need friends. People need friends. And I'm going to try and show you today the way that God blesses us with these kinds of relationships. We're going to read a text in a moment here about how God plopped a man named Jonathan into David's life so that Jonathan could encourage him in, in his spiritual wilderness and so that David could do the same for him. I want to show you how God does the same thing with you. He gives you Christian friends who can encourage you in your spiritual wilderness as well. I want to show you so that you can start thinking about the relationships that you have in your life as not so much this random gathering of people in your life, but as a purposeful relationship in your life that is given providentially given by a father's loving heart. This is a really powerful and profound text. 
about a friendship between David and Jonathan. This comes from 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 13 through 18. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Kilah, kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilah, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you, even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. This is God's word. The Jonathan of the Bible is frankly, an incredibly profound and powerful character. He's mostly overlooked, but I think he's one of the most powerful examples of Christian friendship in the Bible, and he's powerful in his faith in the Lord. I didn't, don't know if you know this, but before David stood up in front of Goliath and took on the Philistine army by himself, you know who did that first? Jonathan did. Talk to me after the service. I'll tell you the whole story. It is incredible. Jonathan did that first. And before David became the commander-in-chief and led Israel's armies on his own, you know who did that first? Jonathan did. And before David started being known as a pillar of faith and his faith was compared to the faith of Saul, you know whose faith was compared like that first? Jonathan's was. He's this incredible biblical character. And, you know, we can only kind of speculate at how they became friends. But I imagine it went something like this. Jonathan's got this incredible faith in God, and he's out there facing Goliath. He's out there on the front lines, and he watches as David stands up and says, the battle is the Lord's. Watch as God delivers Goliath into my hands. Jonathan watched David do that and he saw, that's me. I have that faith in God too. I, I need someone like that to encourage me in my faith when I'm feeling weak. I'll tell you what. This is what Christian friendship is like. You know, I want to establish this early on. Normally we think of friendship as having a commonality between two people. And friendships can be really good in that way. You know, you have a sports team in common, you have a hobby in common, you have a workplace in common. But Christian friendship is different. In Christian friendship, two people are bound together in their faith in God, in their trust in God. That's what we have here between David and Jonathan. It was a friendship that was born in adversity, and it was born for adversity. Again, if you go back and you read the few chapters before this text, you'll see it. 
after David killed Goliath, you know what happened? He was welcomed into Saul's house. Saul knew that he was the anointed of God. But every once in a while, he'd lose his temper. And he'd pick up a spear and he'd just chuck it at David to try and get rid of this guy who's going to succeed him. And then his anger kind of advanced and he started putting together these assassination attempts to put David in harm's way so that the problem would take care of itself and succeed. Jonathan was there for all of it. He was there taking care of his friend David. Loving him, caring for him, encouraging him in his faith. And then you get to this text and you can see that Saul has leveled up his anger again because what you have on your hands here is a nationwide manhunt. Saul has all of Israel's armies out there looking for David. He's out there day after day looking for David to try and kill him to make sure that no one's going to take his place as king. And this English translation it actually does a good job of showing us the tension and the emotion that was there for David. The English translation says that this happened day after day. Day after day, Saul got up and his only goal for the day was to get David. And day after day, the narrator tells us that David was on the move. He was going from stronghold to stronghold, from hill to hill, from one wilderness to another, just trying to find a safe, secure, certain place. I'm telling you these things, I'm I'm mentioning these things because I want you to get an insight into how David is doing emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. Every night he's going to bed, wondering if he is going to wake up with a spear coming at his head again. And every morning he is waking up, scanning the horizon for those inky figures of soldiers, wondering if Saul has found him. He hasn't been able to have any comfort whatsoever in terms of a fire, in terms of warmth, in terms of cooked food, because if he lights a fire, he'll be found. I think many of you found this out through the course of the pandemic, what it is like to be constantly redlining like that emotionally and physically. To be constantly filled with that adrenaline. Your mind starts to break down, your spirit starts to break down, your body starts to break down. That's where David was at day after day. Saul came after him day after day. David ran from stronghold to stronghold. He couldn't find a safe place anywhere. And I wonder if we can relate with that. I think that we can. David should have been the king. He had been anointed. He had been told by God that he was going to be king in Israel. Now he's out in the wilderness. And the places that should have been safe and strong for him are weak. Or maybe we think that we should be somewhere else in our lives and feel like we're out in the wilderness instead. And the things that should have been stronghold and certainties for us become our weaknesses. 
Now, the strongholds that I'm kind of talking about, you know, our, our financial strongholds, our, our physical strongholds, where, where our health is our stronghold, or our beauty, our looks are our stronghold, our intelligence, our success, those things that become our strongholds, they become weak. Now, maybe you can relate with that. Maybe all of us can relate with what that feels like. To feel like we are in that wilderness in our lives with no safe place, no place of certainty, no place of safety. In those moments, what do you need the most? For David, this is when Jonathan stepped in. And it's really important for us to recognize the fact the narrator points it out. He makes a big point of, of pointing this out, that this isn't just a guy named Jonathan that David is friends with. This is Saul's son, Jonathan. This is the king's son, Jonathan. This is literally the guy in the kingdom who has most to gain from David dying. If David goes away, then Jonathan is the prince. He will be king someday. For Jonathan, he, it would have been so much easy, so much more profitable, so much more loyal for him to stay by the side of his father and king. But he goes out to find David instead. He chooses David. And you can disagree with me on this. We can debate this after, after the service. But I tend to think that this is one of the most beautiful things in our lives here on earth when someone chooses us when they wouldn't have to, and when they probably shouldn't. When someone chooses us, when it's going to cost them, and when it might even cause them to suffer. In fact, I'm even going to suggest to you this morning that in modern America today, this is the kind of love that I think many of us are missing. Uh, this is the kind of research that I was doing as I was writing this thesis paper. Uh, this is a paraphrase that comes from two years ago, and I did some skimming online, and I found language that's actually even stronger than this now. But this paraphrase comes from the former Surgeon General. His name was Vivek Murthy, and he, he used his political platform to talk about this. He said that the most prevalent health issue in this country isn't cancer or heart disease or obesity. The biggest issue facing people is social isolation. This is a medical doctor. And he spent time as Surgeon General to raise awareness for the medical danger of social isolation. And I'm going to get punny here for a second, but it's going to be a very serious kind of pun. We are dying for friendship. We are dying for someone to, to choose us when they wouldn't have to and when they probably shouldn't, we are dying for someone to love us so much that they, they pursue us into our messes and love us anyway. You know, you see, that's what Jonathan did. His friendship with David, it caused him to suffer. Again, you can go back a couple chapters and you can see what Jonathan's friendship with David cost. Because when Saul found out that Jonathan had befriended David, he renamed his son. 
It's not a nice name. This is, it's not G-rated, but he renamed his son a son of a. And you're filling in the blank correctly. He renamed his son, and then he picked up a spear and threw it at him because he had befriended David. Jonathan gave up everything about his former life out of love, out of friendship for his, his friend David who needed his encouragement. His encouragement to trust in God, to trust in, in God's plan for him. You know, I, I think we can all agree that that's generally a level up from the friendships that most of us have most of the time. Maybe some of us are blessed with a friendship like that. But most of the time, our friendships are Facebook level or Instagram level. Or maybe uh, our friendships go to the point of uh, uh, we can watch the game together. We can go out together and have a good time. Or... But I think most of our friendships get tested the most when somebody's got a mess in their life and the other person starts thinking, weighing the pros and cons, should I wade further into this mess with them? Friendships get tested like that. But Jonathan... He left it all behind and he pursued his friend, David. In spiritual and biblical and God-centered friendship, this is what Jonathan did. We've talked a lot about his motivation. Now I want to talk a little bit about the action. You know, we can remember that David is going place to place. He's going from stronghold to stronghold. He can't find a place to be safe. And we can remember that day after day, Saul is picking up. He's got all the king's horses and all the king's men, and he is trying to find David, and he can't. And the narrator reveals to us why he can't. God wouldn't let him. God would not let Saul find David. But you realize that Jonathan, by himself, found David. You know, the implication, it couldn't be clearer here. Saul could not find David for the love of God. And that's exactly why Jonathan found David. Jonathan was God sent. He was sent into David's life to do this. Now, this is a, another really important characteristic of true biblical friendship that Jonathan went out into the desert to find David. He didn't go out there to have a good time. I would label that companionship. Jonathan went into the desert to find David precisely because he knew it wasn't going to be a good time. And precisely because he knew that his David was going to be a spiritual mess and that he was going to be scared and broken and exhausted. He went into the desert at the cost of his former life to find David and finally here is what he said. In simple words, he said, don't be afraid. Everything is going to be okay. You are going to be king in Israel. Even my dad knows that. He knows he's not going to touch you. Don't be afraid, David. Everything is going to be okay. 
But now, I want to push into this in, in for a moment. I want to say this to you, and I think you know this, but never tell someone that it's going to be okay unless you believe it. Never offer that up as a platitude just to make someone feel better. Never tell someone that it's going to be okay unless you believe that it's true. Because if you tell someone that and you don't believe it, then that at best what you're offering up is a, is a good feeling platitude. But at worst what you're doing is you're offering up a lie that has the power to destroy. But this is exactly what Jonathan told David. Everything's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay because God has promised that. He has promised that you are going to be okay. And so I know that since God has promised, I know that it's going to be true, David. Jonathan found David in the wilderness. He could have brought all kinds of news of battle tactics. Hey, David, my, my dad Saul, he's over there. If you circumvent him over here, you can capture Jerusalem. He didn't say that. He strengthened him in his faith and his trust in God. See, biblical friendship, it always comes back to that. It always comes back to encouraging each other in our faith and in our trust in God. It was their faith in God that made them friends in the first place. They saw the friendship of God in each other. Now maybe you've been in the wilderness we've been talking about before. Maybe you understand exactly what it's like to run from stronghold to stronghold in your life and not be able to find anything secure. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you'll be there soon. In that moment, what do you need most? You need a friend. You need a friend who's going to be willing to pursue you into your wilderness at great personal cost. Even if it causes them suffering because they know it's going to be okay. You need a friend who's going to, be, to come to you and say to you with full belief in their heart, everything is going to be okay. God has promised that. The kingdom will be yours. You will be with God in heaven. And so I know everything will be okay. And what I'm here to tell you today is that not only do you need that, you have that. We began our worship today singing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We have that friend who has pursued us into this wilderness. We have that friend who not only lived among us, but died for us. We have a friend who sacrificed everything so that we could have everything. We have that friend. His name is Jesus. 
And he promises us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will always be with you. And in my word, I will always encourage you and remind you that everything is going to be okay. Never failed to fulfill a promise. And I promise you, everything is going to be so much more than okay. I think this text means so much to me because I know that Jesus has been that friend to me. He's come into my wilderness where I was dead in sin and he made me alive. He gave me life. He pursues me every day and he reminds me through his word, I'm always going to be by your side. And everything is going to be okay. You're going to be with me forever. Jesus has been that friend to me. Friend to me, he has given me the blessing of being the perfectly imperfect Jonathan for you. That I can that friend in your life and, and come into your wilderness with you to remind you of something so simple. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And because that's true, everything is going to be okay. We get to do that for each other too. Be Jonathan to strengthen each other's faith. Strengthen our trust.